Like, for example, I was at a thing this weekend and there was someone very annoying and I really wanted to say, you're being very annoying, but I thought better of it because I just met them, right? Definite hard no to any behavior that's shaming. No way, not okay, uh-uh, no. Do you hear that? <laughs> Negatory. <laughs> Alrighty, Tanya Coons, welcome to mornings again. Good morning, Maya. <laughs> I'm excited for today. One of my favorite topics. Today is all about fantasies. So let's head first right on into it, Tanya. What is a sexual fantasy? This is this is a good question, actually. I was thinking about that, thinking I talk about this all the time, but how do you define that? So basically, I think it's thoughts and ideas and imagery that a person might find arousing. Any mental imagery that people could be uh, get aroused to or find erotic. Mm. So we're all sexual beings and having fantasies is a very normal and natural part of our life and it's a very normal and natural part of boosting desire and arousal. I hear lots of stories from clients. And so, for example, people who've experienced erectile dysfunction, they use fantasies to keep them highly aroused and turned on. A lot of women might report to me that they're feeling like they're taking a bit long to, to orgasm or they're having difficulties tipping over. So they might run a fantasy in their head to help them reach that sort of heightened point that will get them there. So, And some folks don't feel very aroused before sexual activity starts, so they might run a little hot scenario in their head just to get their body to catch up to where they're at. And what are some of the more common fantasies out there? Uh, yeah, also a good question because there are there are many, many. common fantasies. <laughs> I know, they're so private, aren't they? And yet there are, <laughs> there are very big themes around. So group sex is a big one and homoerotic sex is a big one. So just if you're having homoerotic fantasies, it does not mean that you're gay or that does not mean you want to go do different things. It just means this is something that's arousing for you. Anonymous sex, being desired by different kinds of people, rape fantasies, contentious but true, and we'll talk a little bit more about this. Folks being tied up, a lot of things. Um, there was a British sex toy company that surveyed 1,300 people, and they, of that they found 44% of people fantasised about somebody else when they were having sex. Right? So the context of those fantasies wasn't clear. Um, other research has shown that lots of people fantasise about things that they're not actually doing. So it could be something they wish to do or something they feel they're missing out on in their sex life. Or maybe thoughts about things that are arousing, but they would never do that in real life. Mm. For example, being done by the whole football team could be a very, very hot fantasy, but in real life it might be like, ah, no, I'm not going to do that. Yeah. Yeah. And even even a super hot sexual memory of someone that you've been with. Mm. And then what are some of the more, I don't want to say unusual, but less common fantasies out there? Yeah, well, geez, that's that's as, as varied as we have humans, I think. Mm. Um, I've read lots of books where people have written fantasies into uh, to authors and, yeah, the sex with animals, sex with aliens, sex with inanimate objects, the Eiffel Tower and the Harbour Bridge being some. Mm. Um, it's really limited to your imagination, that's all. Um, I did read this morning some really interesting research about the difference between cisgendered and non-binary fantasies. So the results of that showed that sexual fantasies for non-binary folks were generally comparable to cisgender individuals, 
but they were significantly more likely to contain references to non-normative genitals and they were less likely to refer to themselves as objects of desire. I found that really, really interesting to read and I'm really glad to see we're getting some of this research out there now. That's so interesting. Isn't it? Yeah. I think this is going to be a question that really pricks your interest, hopefully. Tanya, can one keep their fantasies to themselves or do they need to share them with a partner or someone they're seeing? Very good question and and quite contentious, actually, because people have differing views on this. Um, But my response to that is no, not at all. You know, I've had clients that have been demanding to know their partner's fantasies. But as we've discussed, fantasies are kind of personal and they belong to us. We're under no obligation to reveal them to partners or to anybody else because nobody has a right to know what goes on inside our head. Yeah, Um, we could choose to share our fantasies with our partner. That's another thing. Um, And they can certainly help spice up our sex lives by creating intimacy or inspiration for things that we might like to do together. And we could even act them out in role plays. But fantasies do not have to be shared. They fall into the realm of our being that is personal. And we've spoken about this before, but I'll quickly recap that. Um, What do I mean by that? I mean that we have public, private and personal realms in our lives. So the public is like more open knowledge. There are parts of ourselves that are public uh, and public information includes things like our relationship status and often but not always our gender and our sexuality. And here I'd just like to emphasise too that some folks choose not to reveal these things while others put it out on display. So we need to be careful that we're not misgendering someone or mistaking their sexuality because that can cause distress um, and take care not to make assumptions about people. Um, Private realm, this is sort of some things that might be a bit secret. They're parts of ourselves that we choose to divulge to other people and that's specific things like uh, the knowledge of what gets our partner off or whether we like particular sexual activities or the things that turn us off or maybe if we're choosing to attend specific events like kink or swingers parties or so on. Private, we choose our audience for those. Maybe we don't tell our bank manager that, yeah? Yeah. So private means not general knowledge. Personal realm, this is individual ownership, you know, the parts of ourselves that are personal. Things like how we like to masturbate, if we watch porn, what do we watch, what type of porn, Um, what fantasies we have falls right into that category. Mm. Um, These are things that are generally just for us and we would most likely not share with other people. Um, Some folks, of course, are very happy to share this information, but it starts off as personal knowledge and experience and it's totally up to the individual to choose whether they divulge this or not. Um, Lots of people have fantasies that they call on during masturbation or sex and it's totally okay to keep that to yourself. Your partner does not have the right to know a fantasy. They can be curious and they can ask you but it's totally within your remit to say this you know I'm not really comfortable sharing that but thanks for asking. So how do you know if you should try a fantasy out in real life or keep it to something that is just, you know, locked up in your head for you to experience whenever you'd like to pull it out, I guess? Yeah. Boy, this one's such a tricky question, isn't it? Mm. I think most fantasies don't get acted on due to, like, social, moral, cultural, religious constraints. 
So I think looking at the constraints that you have around you and maybe thinking through the possible ramifications, like could I get arrested? Is this legal? Lots of things. Uh, what kind of shame might I attract? You know, Will I be okay with this? Will I feel ashamed? Um, and I think it's really important to remember too, just because you have a fantasy doesn't mean you need to act on it, right? I have tons of clients who are, for example, bisexual, but they date one person at a time. So the assumption often people make is, oh, you're bi, you have to date lots of different people at once. No, that's for polyamorous or ethically non-monogamous folks. But if you are monogamous and you are attracted to lots of people, one at a time is how it will work. Mm. And people can't control themselves, right? We have lots of ideas that pop into our head that we don't act upon, right? For example, I was at a gig this a thing this weekend and there was someone very annoying and I really wanted to say, you're being very annoying, but I thought better <laughs> of it because I just met them, right? So I had an idea about that, but I said, yeah, I think I'm going to keep that one to myself. So just because we have a fancy of somebody or a fantasy about someone doesn't mean that we need to act on it. It can stay up in our pretty little heads and be quite enjoyable and very private. Here is a big question for you, Tanya. Is it common to fantasise about other people? Yeah, it really is. It's extremely common. Um I think, it, I think it shows that you're human and shows you're alive if you're thinking about other folks. Lots and lots of folks are in monogamous relationships, but it doesn't mean uh, it stops you thinking about or being attracted to other people. It's mm. how you choose to act after that. So I think there'll always be sexual thoughts and fantasies popping into our head, particularly whilst we're engaging with our sexual partners. So if we choose to embrace these fantasies, this is the interesting part, we can kind of increase the chances of sexual satisfaction. If we get all caught up and get ashamed about them, they can become distracting and they cause anxiety and maybe a bit of emotional distress and they can take us into our heads and away from our bodies, which in turn decreases sexual satisfaction. So we also need to remember that particularly as we get older, the mind is our biggest sexual organ. It always is, but the importance of that as we age gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And do you have any advice for someone who wants to tell their partner about a fantasy they want to try out? Aha, uh -huh. yes. Well, this is dicey area, isn't it? <laughs> mm -hmm. I think asking your partner first, like, hey, are you up for hearing about a fantasy that I have? They may not be, or they might be frightened. Um, or you could suggest to your partner, look, I've had a fantasy that I'm I'm curious about acting on. Would you be interested in hearing it? There's no obligation for you to participate in. It's just a thought at this stage, but it might be nice to share it. Mm. Yeah. And then after you've told them, check in to see what they think about the fantasy and if it's of interest to them to act on it or if they've got any questions. If they're keen, you can get into planning and what you need to act out. Um, and always make sure that you've got consent and that it's okay at any time to change your mind. And when you are making your plans, consider folks' physical and emotional safety because fantasies can be right out there. Um, and it's okay to go, this is a great idea. Mm, as we're getting to making this more real, maybe it's not a great idea. Mm. And what if you've, you know, plucked up the courage, got the guts to talk about it with them, but they've not only not really been open to hearing hearing you out, but they've kind of rejected you a bit with acting out that fantasy in real life. How can someone deal with that rejection if their partner or someone they are 
hooking up with, doesn't want to engage in with that fantasy with them? Yeah, this is another good question. And you know what? This is really, it's an easy concept, really. It's the same way you deal with any other rejection. Yeah, we all have to hear no in life and we all have to say no at sometimes. You know, mm. sometimes you don't get the job, you get knocked back for a date or you, you don't get a bank loan. There's a whole lot of things. Maybe you failed an exam. We have to deal with stuff that we don't like all the time and our partner definitely has the right not to partake in any activity that doesn't work for them or turn them on. It's not okay to shame them or bully them or threaten to act out the fantasies with other people unless that's part of your relationship agreement. But I think when it comes to sex, there's a lot of entitlement and a lot of people get very arsy about it if they get a no. Uh, and I think it's important to realise, just like many other things in life, we don't always get what we want. But what if they have, in that instance, you know, you've really respected their boundaries, you're not pushing anything on them, but they've really made you feel like you've been shamed in having expressed yourself in that way what should you do then yeah first of all I'm really sorry that your partner might be doing that to you because that's not cool and it's you know when we're brave we want to be celebrated not shut down yeah yeah totally so let them know that it's not okay to do that if you're not into my fantasy that's really cool but it's not okay for you to make me feel bad or project any of your beliefs on top of me um, because that's going to actually make it more difficult for me to open up to you in the future. And I think a lot of people don't understand that you can have a fantasy without needing to or wanting to act on it. Mm. It can be erotic thinking and stimulus only. And then you also get a lot of folk who feel afraid or intimidated by things they don't know or understand. And they, it's easy to shut people down when you're scared of something. Mm. So we can allow, if we can allow some space for this, that's okay. But it's a definite hard no to any behaviour that's shaming. No way. Not okay. Uh-uh. No. Did you hear that? <laughs> Negatory. <laughs> I think we're going to get a little bit existential here maybe, Tanya. We've, <laughs> we've talked about what they are, how to talk about how recreating a fantasy in real life with a partner or a sexual partner. Um, but I'm really curious to know what you have to say in response to this, because it is a big question, I think, but super interesting one. Are fantasies good for you? Oh, enormous question. I would think yes, I think so. I, I think if you learn to embrace your fantasies, you definitely increase your sexual satisfaction. And again, they can be totally private and just for you. They don't have to be out in the stratosphere at all. Um, a lot of studies have shown that those who have frequent sexual fantasies actually have a higher sex drive and greater sexual satisfaction and a higher chance of orgasm and are often more sexually open in the bedroom. So they're kind of interesting qualities and lots of things that many people strive for. Um, I have lots of clients discussing their fantasies with me. Some people feel shame that the things that they fantasize about are things that they would never do in real life or are at odds with their political and social beliefs. You know, so you think about people in, in BDSM world, like mm. guys have been taught never to hit women and they might have a lover going, I want you to beat me up and say terrible, humiliating, degrading things. That can be very hard for them to access because it goes against everything they are in day-to-day -day life. Mm. Um, so, you know, we have to bear that in mind. But the nature, the very nature of fa fantasies is that they often contain things from our shadow side and then that gets incorporated into erotic imagery. 
for example, uh, think of a, a little boy who like wants to wear dresses and society and his family say, no, that's not for little boys. So that gets pushed down into the shadow side of life because not allowed to want that. But maybe later as an adult, he might really get off sexually on wearing a dress, having nice slinky material next to his skin, that sort of thing. Mm. Um, and rape fantasies are another good example of the shadow side. Nancy Friday wrote a book called Women on Top where she got fantasies written in by women all around the world and almost one third of that book is about rape fantasies. Now, I know Whoa. that none of that, Yeah, it's huge, isn't it? A third. Mm. That's so many. So none of those people, I think, would like to experience rape in real life, yet somehow fantasising about it is a major turn-on. Um, I think often that's a fantasy. It's about the helplessness of them and them not initiating or driving the sexual situation. So in some way that allows them to be free or disinhibited or to enjoy some sort of sexual pleasure. Hmm. Some folks even use fantasy to take back power after traumatic or abusive situations. So I think what we need to really realise is fantasies are a very natural and normal thing and they need to be treated that way. Uh, and all too often stigma and shame that is associated with sex is also attached to our fantasies. And wouldn't it be great if we could simply enjoy them for what they were? Yeah. I mean, on the other end of the coin, though, what if you have a fantasy that you don't really want to have? It's almost putting you off in that sense. Is there a way to control them or stop them from coming into your head? Hmm. This is the, there have been excellent questions today. Amber, thank you, our super producer, who wrote this from their COVID deathbed as mm -hmm. well. <laughs> uh, I think it's really tricky, this one, because we can't control the thoughts that come into our heads, but we can choose how we engage with them. So uh, we, we, we mentioned the shadow side before. It is important to know that lots of things from our own or society's shadow sides can come into our fantasies, and that's totally okay. It might be a bit disarming. Hmm. Uh, but then I've, I've also had clients come to me fantasising about sex with children, and they've been terrified that they might want to act on that. And I, I completely understand that. And, you know, for us to understand... Um, we really need to treat this, it's very important to treat things like this with compassion and care and investigate if they're wanting to act on that, discuss the law with them, and also to acknowledge that all through time there have been people that are attracted to children. But in current times we know that harm can be done interacting with children so it's not okay and it's against the law. Um, it's not up to us to be horrified and to shame people because particularly if they come into a helping professional, that's not the time and place. But maybe because it's a fantasy, can you focus on other things? Can you do a role play and remember that it's not real? And then things like in the kink world, they actually play out bigs and littles. There are people that act like little babies mm. and there are people that act like bratty teenagers and they do incorporate sexual play into that. And, you know, that's totally okay. So having a look at how people can do it in a way that's safe for them and safe for others. And it requires us expend, you know, suspending our judgments because sometimes we don't understand things and it's not nefarious. It's actually what's going on for that person. So it's always good to be curious and kind and generous where we can. Sage advice as always, Tanya. Um, I think that brings us to the end of today. We've run out of time, but my God, what an incredible year of Let's Talk About Sex again. 
Oh my gosh, that's right. This is the last one for the year. Do you know we're also nearly up to 100 episodes? So this is very exciting. That's right. Absolutely. And next year, one of my teachers will be in town and we're going to do a little special on consent, mm-hmm. which is hella, hella sexy. And this this is, I would say, one of the world's best experts in consent. So send us in your questions because there are so many things about consent that people can ask about and learn from. So we'd really like to be able to cover that for you. Yeah. And uh, if you can guess who that is. Hey. <laughs> um, thanks for popping through, Tanya. I'll see you very soon. Merry Christmas, everyone, and Happy New Year. 